G'day all, and thanks for listening to the Football Podcast. You're here with Ash and Garns, and we're here to talk all things AFL and NBA, plus more. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. G'day all, and thanks for listening to the Football Podcast. You're here with Ash and Garns, and we're here to talk all things AFL and NBA, plus more. Ash, welcome back, listeners. Ash, you too, um, with the Football Podcast. Finals time. Ash, AFLW, finals. I think there's only one team that's winning it. I don't can't see any other team winning it now after watching last week's performance and what other teams have to play against, etc., etc. But I'm interested to see, to know, Ash, who you think um, is the team to beat? Whose team position? Which team is positioned to win it well and win it um, comfortably? And who, uh, who? Sorry, I'll rephrase that. Who's in a great position for final for the finals right now? So I think I think uh, Melbourne is in a really good position. I think Melbourne's going to be the team to beat in the finals. To be honest, I just think they're yeah. as much as I really like. Um, I, I'm a bit lost with Frio right now. They've probably been one of the best teams all season, um, but just the yep. back end of the year they've sort of tapered off a little bit. So I'm not too sure how they're going to finish the season. Um, but as for it's it's a really good it's a really good uh, finals to be honest like everyone can beat everyone uh, but I really think Melbourne's positioned really well and I think but I I do think it's going to be an Adelaide Melbourne grand final um, yep but I, I've got a sneaky suspicion for this first final that Collingwood might somehow pip Brisbane, which is going to be, it, it could go one of either, it could go one or two ways. I don't, I don't think it's going to be close if Brisbane win, but then I also well, it think it depends on close what happens and now. Collingwood wins. 
Yeah, we'll see what happens with Collingwood Brisbane game now that Collingwood has lodged a health and safety protocol about three hours ago. We're actually recording this on a Wednesday night, halfway through the Melbourne and uh, uh, Bulldogs um, grand final rematch. But uh, it, they're saying Collingwood have 17 players in COVID health and safety protocols. And that to me means one of two things that Collingwood's players went out and risk getting exposure. Or two, they just had some really bad luck. You know, I think it might be the latter. And um, yeah, I, I don't. What the AFL does now is up is going to be really weird because they were meant to play on Saturday, and that gives the winner of that game will versus Adelaide. It gives Adelaide some extra time and less time to play footy if they don't play out, or if they do play out next week, which they're thinking of playing in midweek. So. Yeah. It's a very difficult time for the AFLW, but before we get into the finals, Ash, let's the teams that didn't make it, the eight, uh, the yeah, the eight teams that didn't make it in the Dogs, Blues, Giants, Suns, Richmond, Cats, St Kilda, West Coast. I've got three things for you. Yep. First one, which team is ne- is ready to make the jump next year to make the final so they don't make, miss out out of those teams that did miss this year? Um. See, doggies are a hard one because they've done the same thing for two or three seasons in a row now. But they they definitely yep. could um, be one to jump into the final contention. Um, also, Gold Coast and Geelong, like I've said all all season, um, they pro- oh, like I said, I, I probably did go a year, maybe even two years early, but I definitely think one of them could make the jump. Um, I don't really know which one it's going to be. I think Gold Coast is probably ahead of Geelong. Um, but... Yeah, I think Gold Coast could be the one that actually makes the jump into the finals. Um, and and yep. they looked really good this season at times. And they just basically couldn't put four quarters together every game. So if they um, if they do that and they get some consistent um, stuff over the preseason, they'll, uh, they'll go a long way to making the finals next year. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't actually put Richmond in it. Just with they've got probably one of the I reckon she's the second best player. She's in the top four players in the league. Monique Conti get some um, assistance because their forward line with Katie Brennan fires, and their back line's actually pretty strong. It's just their midfield department, and maybe getting a, a dominant ruck could really change Richmond for next season. That's and Ali McKenzie. I did say at the start of the year she'll be all Australian. She actually started getting going in the last five games of the season. So that's where I think Richmond they could make the jump next year. But I'm with you with Geelong. I'm not sold on Gold Coast just yet. Yep. Purely, purely on the fact that Cats lost four games in the first four rounds, but under uh, they were winnable. They were right there to win. Yep. And they only won two games in the end. That four those four games six. Puts pressure on Collingwood in the top in the top six anyway. So I'm with you with, with Geelong, and I'm a bit surprised you didn't say Richmond. My other one, Ash, no, which team... I'm still not sold on Richmond because I think their forward line is, once again, a sort of a one-girl show. Uh, in Katie Brennan, she has to fire and kick two or three for them to be competitive. Then I also, yep. I also think their midfield is lacking, like you just said, um, with the Ruckman as well. But also... Um, yeah, also the midfield, like Conti, like I've said all season, she's just a lone, a lone midfielder. There's as much as they have some some girls that um, do some hard stuff and they they put a lot of effort in. They just they're not good enough to be your second or third midfielder. They they probably have three or four 
that could just be your your third or fourth midfielder, not not so much your second or third. So um, yep. yeah, you they they definitely need to get get somebody in that's gonna um, take that role as well, and and then they can they can move the other girls around, and that'll make them a much better team. Yep. No, I, 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 Richmond. If, if I was a list manager, Richmond's a team that I want to take purely on the fact out of all the teams that missed out in the finals, they've got um, Monique Conti and they have uh, a, and Katie Brennan. Whereas, like, I look at the other team looking around, like, yeah, Geelong have George Brasparkas and Amy McDonald, but it's still not Monique Conti. I think Monique Conti is that good of a player that, and she's so. Um, dominate, dominating and damaging with the football in hand and able to break the lines that it they just add like you said some maybe an extra key forward to help out um, maybe adding a Ruckman as well like even a Bree Moody from Carlton how that changes the dynamic of Richmond just that by that move itself so yeah. Richmond for me are the team that I think could make the jump just depends on their offseason yeah. uh, moves um, my second question for you Ash which team out of the out of the bottom eight, which team falls away completely now? So what I mean by that, I look at it, the team that might fall away completely is GWS Giants. That's my thing. Do they blow it up, get some picks coming in, get some players out, or what? what's their next move? Because right now See, GWS are just stuck in a crossroads and yeah. they have to make a decision. Do they go hard or do they falter away? I think they've, I think they've really got to try and look to the draft, but in saying that, they don't really have... I don't see them having a lot of assets that they can trade because you don't really want to get rid of um, Eva and Parker, but they're probably your only two that have really good trade value or really good um, options to get picks. So yeah, it, it's really it's really hard. So I just think they need to really try and draft right, get, get some people um, in that are going to complement those two girls and really build around them. Uh, but... Also, yep. a couple of their better players are starting to get old, older as well. So it's getting really in a really bad position for them that they don't really have a lot of room to go. Plus, and there's going to be more teams coming in next season as well. So that's going to change yep. the dynamic for probably a lot of teams as well. The other teams might even raid a little bit of the teams going right now. So it could change. Yeah, it could no, change the whole definitely. league. So. Um, yeah, it's really hard to say. It's well, really this hard to say and see. Better. Yeah, no, this off-season, like you said, with the new teams, I completely forgot about them, is get to set the dynamic on which teams stay the dynasties, so to speak. Are they going to be the Adelaides and Melbournes and Brisbane's and even potentially North and Frio? Um, uh, that, that, do they get rated heavily and opportunities arise for every other side? Or... Teams like on my third to follow up on my third question, Ash, who would you rather be one of the new expansion sides or St Kilda or West Coast? Definitely if one you're of the new manager. expansion sides. I think they're going to have they're they're probably going to get more draft picks. Um, and like I've said, I think the draft is the best way to go, especially at this point in time for the for the league. I think the draft picks. Yep. You, you might not be great in your first two seasons, but I can tell you what: right now, the third, fourth, fifth season, you'll start becoming a real powerhouse. And yeah, I, I really do think that they're going to get um, they're going to get really good, a lot more draft picks to obviously get it in. They're going to have more like options of where to go. 
trying to pick the, probably the best players out of the state leagues and even the state leagues will start getting a bit better and better. Uh, so you're going to have all these options for these new teams, I think. Plus then they've probably got the op- opportunity to, to stag a couple of the really dominant players in the league because they're going to have the franchise tag. So um, they're going to have yeah they're going to have some real options to to really build their list really well. Um, and and yeah. we could see we could even see in the next two or three years the the four teams that are about to come in they are they might be the the powerhouses like um, especially in the draft period like a GWS from the men's league where they just keep getting picks and then really build on that and then they get more picks um, and yeah. like I said in at this point in, in time for the league the draft picks is definitely the way to go because they're just going to get better and better as they keep coming through. Yeah, and the other the other thing that I can add on to that is even these um, uh, middle, uh, like the press parkers, the press parkers, if they're out of contract, these, which I think um, Madison from Carlton is from memory. Yep. Um, so if she becomes a free agent for these expansion teams, then that just makes the other... Te- like, if you see one team, let's just say Hawthorne, pick up Press Barkers, that makes the other three expansion teams pick up their game because they don't want to fall behind. So they start getting out of star players around the league as well. So yeah. it re- it makes... it With all the draft and um, with all the player movement, it's really exciting time for the AFLW. And it's going to change the landscape for them. But let's get into the finals just quickly because we've got to move through. We've got a bit no, of no, content no, hold on. to before get through we, to before today. We go, oh, yeah. Before we go that, um, I, want to, I want to speak about, uh, obviously coming to the end of the season, uh, let's have a look at um, Rising Star. Um, let's have a look at who we now think, after the season's played out, who we think is going to be the Rising Star, who we think is going to be our um, league best and fairest, our Aaron Phillips yep. medal. Um, and let's let's see let's see who's going to win uh, best on ground in the grand final, and who your pick is to win the grand final. Oh, okay. So yeah. let's start. Let's kick yeah. it off with Rising Star. Who do, who who are you press going? You're going Press Barkers. Yeah, I think it. I think her being tagged every game since debuting shows, and she still gets a lot of the footy. It just shows what sort of player she is. I know you're big on Courtney Rowbottom, but I just think Press Park is for no, me. See, I'm gonna throw um, in I'm gonna throw in another one that's um gone I wouldn't say under the radar for the season, but has gone very, very well and that's Bannon from Melbourne. She's had a terrific yep. year and she's been a massive inclusion for that Melbourne side and she's been a massive part of them go- getting to the point of the season, um, of the season. where yep. they are right now and and she running the wings she's kicking goals from the wings she's had she's her meters gained would be off the charts for the season um obviously she probably doesn't get as many touches as the other girls but her impact would be massive compared to like i wouldn't say compared to them but it would be definitely right on par with uh Presparkus and Rowbottom, to be honest yep no, no, I, I think it's a three-horse race, but I'm going with just purely on the fact that Press Parkers gets tagged on a team that finished third last on the ladder as a rookie. That's yeah. got to show weight in itself. Um, my 
uh, Aaron Phillips medal winner is Riddell. I think getting a career high forty two disposals. No, it's, um, a, it's a league best best ever in the league. Yeah, um, and watching Kiara Bowers gets reported and um, Hatchard, Hatchard, sorry, um, slow down to like at the end of the season. It looks like she's carrying an injury into finals. And Hayley Miller um, slowing down as well. And Monique Conti getting, not getting enough wins. I think Riddell gets it for me. I, I think it's going to be an exciting count because um, it's Emily Bates from Brisbane as well. So, But I'm going with Riddell just with yeah. how her season. Yeah. Well, that I'm still I'm still going to stick with Hatcher because I think she had that good of a start to the season. Um, she's going to be right there. I think in their wins, she still gets at least one to two votes, um, even even in the back back end of the year. I still I reckon she, she'll get 20. I'll, so I'll, I, I'm confident yeah. she'll get 20. That's why I think she still played well. I'm just... The only thing I'm worried about is what the umpires has, have seen and, and they've picked in the game because Marinoff still racks them up. Um, there has yeah. been a couple of games where now Phillips is, especially back end of the year, Phillips has had 15 touches and multiple goals. So she very well might get uh, votes. And who knows... They, Early in the season as well, Hatchard, as much as she was probably the best on ground, they may well give three votes to um, Ash Woodland and stuff for kicking her four goals apiece. Four goals, so, yeah. um, you know, there is a sneaky chance that Woodland and that do miss votes. Uh, sorry, Hatchard misses votes there. Uh, but I, I, I think I think it's going to be out of Hatchard and Riddell. And Bates will be will be following, and Marinoff probably the two following, not far behind. Uh, but yeah, it's hard to go past Riddell at the at the moment, especially looking at what she's done for the season. Um, she's really led that midfield, to be honest, and she's just racked them up every week, and that nobody's been able to stop her. So yeah, it's it's yeah, really no, hard. I, but yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with Hatchard. Yeah, I'm gonna stick yeah, with no, Hatchard. I, it, like I said, it's. It's going to be a very good count, probably as good as a count like last season with Kiara and Bree Davy, because they were they were the elite last year. That they were, that both were favourite to win it, and rightfully so, they both won it. So, um, but I think with right now, I think it's Riddell's to lose, and Hatchard might be that that like ooh, it, she in that first four games she was definitely best on. She would definitely have. 12 votes right now yeah the, the, first four the only the only issue i see with riddell is she's more of she's more of like an accumulator she's not so yeah. much as a dominant player so that's only but, but then my whole also thing because is, she has the ball it? that much uh, that's the only reason she's probably going to get noticed but hatchard stands yeah. out big time because she's so well, she's so big and powerful so whenever she gets the ball she's doing something special with it so that's where she might get those extra votes as well. So, yeah, it, I really, yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually really excited for the count. I think, I think it's going to go very close again um, this this season. Yeah. So um, let's go with the grand final best on. So grand final winner pick... and best on. I'm going with Brisbane back to back now. I'm, I'm actually quite confident that Brisbane, with the way they play, how they play, they've beaten every team in the top. Um, six quite comfortably except for Adelaide in round one and it just they didn't look like Brisbane that won the grand final um, they lost to Melbourne 
but that was off three games in nine days or something like that and only lost by three points where Melbourne had a week off. So, yeah. And they had their full side Melbourne. So I'm going with Brisbane. That the only, only downfall with um, going for Brisbane is um, the fact that they'll have to play three games and win the grand final, whereas Adelaide and Melbourne also get two games with a week off. And Melbourne with the easier schedule going through, like I think whoever wins out of North and Frio will get pummeled by Melbourne and Melbourne go into a grand final. Whereas Adelaide and like Brisbane going up against Adelaide in a grand final rematch as a semi-final, that's because I, I don't think now with Collingwood getting sick with COVID, um, I don't think they can beat Brizzy. And yep. yeah, that's where I'm Yeah, it does put a bit I'm of a spanner in moment. the works, doesn't it? Um, for especially for my yeah. pick, thinking Collingwood had a chance, but yeah, it really depends on how they all come out of it. But who knows? It might give them a little bit more of a break, um, and they might get one or two players back from injury, just using that sort of extra seven days, um, and it might refreshen them up as well. They've had a pretty pretty tough year with injuries and and girls going down and stuff. So who knows? It might it might just work in their favour a little bit to get one or two. Um, two girls come back into the team and really just shore up their stocks, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I'm definitely going for Melbourne to win the grand final. I've obviously shipped off a little bit of Adelaide from earlier in the year, but I do. I still yeah, definitely think it's going to be Melbourne versus Adelaide. I, I can't even knock Adelaide. I don't know why I'm going away from them, but I just really like how Melbourne have been playing, and I think um, Taylor Harris is going to have a really big grand final. So, um if it's if Adelaide and Melbourne make grand final, they'll be this will be the third grand final in the AFLW in the sixth season in the AFLW, the third grand final at Amy Stadium at um, Adelaide Oval. Yeah, that's that's incredible, man. Like if yeah. that's the case, that's and but if that is the so you're going with Melbourne to beat Adelaide at Adelaide Oval yeah. on a bigger ground when Melbourne has struggled in the past. Yeah, I really think that I think it's going to work. I actually think it's going to work in their favour on an already pressured game. Um, they're going to come into it already knowing there's going to be pressure, um, just being a grand final rather than a normal game during the season. I think you you sometimes don't get yourself up as much as what you would for a grand final. So, they're the fact that it's a bigger ground and they're going to be. Um, they're going to try and really use their skills and their slow play. That might um, play into their favour, um, just being a bigger ground and a bit more space. So once they get that, uh, they find that free target and get that mark and, and stop, they they actually have room to work work in. So um, and yeah, I think I think I'm going to have to go with um, Tyler Banks to to win the best on ground as well with if Melbourne win. So. Uh, I think if they win, she's probably had an outstanding game, and she's she's been she's created a lot going forward. Wow, wow, that's uh, that's massive. I've actually gone with um, if Brisbane Brisbane win the grand final. Obviously, Emily Bates for the for the best on ground in the grand final is my take. However, I think one of the forwards I reckon for Brisbane will. Take it, or I'm I'm a big fan of Jade Allinger as well. So, but I think Emily Bates. It, it for me, it's Emily Bates um, for the best on ground. But in three weeks' time, Ash, we'll be we'll be uh, having our grand final um, preview. Who we think 
what what's going to happen. Um, yeah, and I just think Emily Bates, for me, for the grand final. I think she's the, the heart and soul of Brisbane. So that's all I'm going for. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I think... Uh, just say just say what about a forward guns? All right, you can go now. It's all right. I'm going to cut this part out anyway. Okay. Oh, well, so what about... Hang on. Three, two, one. What about a forward a forward as well um, at Brisbane? Um, uh, Jade Allinger off the wing as well. I'm just losing the name for... Uh, Dwyer, sorry. There we go. Dwyer, oh, Dwyer. for Brizzy. Yep. Could be a sneaky chance. Yeah, sneaky chance for um, uh, Norm, uh, Norm Smith, the best on ground, sorry, yep. in the grand final. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I can see I can see a forward winning best on ground in the grand final as well, and that's why I sort of mentioned Taylor Harris before, because if Melbourne do win, I think Tyler Hanks and Taylor Harris have to play really well. And if Taylor Harris or, or O'Dwyer or someone like that kicks four or five in the grand final, they're, they're more than likely going to get best on ground. Like, I, I just don't see the yeah. umpires in, yeah. in that, in a, I can't see it being a high scoring. It's not scoring voted on by the umpires. Yeah, but I can't see it being a high scoring affair how- either. So if, if somebody's kicking four or five goals in a low scoring game, then it's, yeah. you, you kind of have to go with them. If they kick, if they kick half the score, if they kick, say five goals that's 30 points out of probably a possible 60 to 70 points it's it's going to be pretty hard to go past them if if you're looking at it like that they're kicking half the score for your team no, i think you know I, I think you're right there i 100 think you're right um but yes oh, i'm gonna sneeze sorry all right let's go for a break anyway and then uh, we'll come back all right, Garns. I uh, hope you had a nice sneeze in that break. So that was that's good. To, good, yeah. to, good of you to let <laughs> it was, everyone know. It was know. good. It was very very nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so <laughs> let's uh, let's move on from the AFLW now and let's go into the AFL. Obviously, round one starting. Um, obviously, grand final rematch as well right now while we're while we're doing this podcast. So uh, which, right now, which Norton just kicked a bomb, yeah, which is the cracking game right now as well. Again, so. Hopefully, hopefully that keeps on going. So, uh, yeah, let's let's dive into round one and and see see where we're at with the AFL. Yeah, I'm actually so happy. Like, obviously, you and I go on the Collingwood game on Friday night, which I'm really optimistic for both teams with Saints and Pies. But I just want to start off with how good is it having footy back in terms of we get to go to the games. I know with the AFLW last year we got to go and. For some of the games, we got to go for the men's, but then it got moved out. But it's actually so exciting. Full capacity, full crowd. It's it's just get. It's actually, um, like I'm looking. I'm so looking forward to it. But I want to start with this, Ash. Is Melbourne one of the best defending premier sides that you've seen, or is it just that the competition is so damn even? That anyone can win it. What, what what's your take? So I'll I'll rephrase that for you because they haven't even started yep. defending their defending it yet. So I can't say that they are one of the best already because they haven't even they haven't even started yet. So um, I think the rephrase is: Are they going to be very good at defending their premiership till, and are they going to push for a second one? And if you rephrase it like that, is 
I think yes. I think they still have really good depth at Melbourne. I think so, which which comes in handy. So a lot of the times when when you win a premiership, a lot of your fringe players get um, get offers from other clubs because um, obviously if you're on a, on the fringe of a premiership side, it means you're still probably a pretty decent player. So, um, but they've they've managed to bring in like a Luke Dunstan and stuff as to add to their fringes and and he's a quality player he can start for a lot of teams so which once again I think it's still a dumb dumb decision for him to go to Melbourne but um well actually I've got some inside intel for you on mm-hmm. that the reason why I asked this question Ash of the Melbourne and stuff like that Melbourne in a trade deadline last year were meant no one thought no free no um player agent no team thought Melbourne would be fairly active in um, the trade period or the delisted free agent period. But Melbourne were that aware that they had the healthiest list and had no injuries that playing 26 to 20, 26 games in the season, because you got to include the finals, yep. that it was going to come and bite them. That's why they got the Luke Dunson. That's why they even tried to get Chera in the end. They tr- they wanted to get him, give up a first and a couple of seconds to get Chera to make sure that... Came, um, to help the depth in their side. So they can put, they know where they're at. They know winning a grand final is um, tremendously hard and then defending it's even harder. So they're trying to get depth, knowing that they had no injuries, that they're preparing for injuries that could happen. And the other thing is, some of their players, like Bailey Fridge, still hasn't hit his peak in his in, in his career. Same with Petrarca and Oliver. They're still 23-24. When they hit that twenty six mark, that's when they go to the next next level, and it's kind of scary to tell. Like they've got, they're the, I I can't remember a better tandem in Petrarca and um, Oliver. I, I honestly think they're that good of a tandem, and then you add in one of the best ruckmen right, in the I'm league. Not, I'm not Gordon, going. Like, I'm not going that far. I think I think they're starting to become a very formidable uh, midfield, but I'm definitely not going that far as saying I can't remember a better duo or anything like that because I can. I can remember a Ben Cousins. Well, let's let's actually Daniel let's actually Kerr, talk about Chris it. Chris Judd. Yeah. I can remember a Michael Voss, Simon. Well, Black. no, no, no. You'd, would I you could. have? Would you have? No, no. Let's let's honestly, honestly, yeah. let's let's actually rank our best two. I will not have Kurt and Judd. I'll have Cousins and Judd. Yeah, no. I'm saying I'm saying Voss, that's a, that's a trio. That's not even a that's not even a duo. That's a trio. Then once again at at Brisbane, that's a trio of um, Michael Voss, Luke Power, Simon Black. Then you've also got then you can you could even go across to um, Collingwood's duo of Scott Burns and Nathan Buckley when when they were up and going and then you could add in Paul Curie Swan and Penderbury then you could go Swan and Penderbury then you could go um, uh, who else could you go you all right go, well, well let's 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 actually let's go let's go through the dynasties let's go backwards from now right mm-hmm. let's let's honestly let's think of who's got the better midfield. And we go one ruck and three midfielders, okay? No yep. no wings. It's just their best one. You've got to get the clearance out. That's the rule, okay? West Coast. So obviously uh, with... West Coast. With Melbourne. No, we'll start with Melbourne first. Yep. Because obviously they won the flag. Gorn, Petrarca, Oliver. Who's your other midfield that goes in there? Viney or Brayshaw? Definitely Viney. Definitely Viney. Viney? Yeah. Okay. If so, Viney's healthy, yeah, I'm, I'm just writing Viney. him down. And then Richmond, you got Nan, Curvis, Dusty, Koch, and Edwards. Uh, yeah, you could say that. Yep. Once again, yeah, I, I'm not going to put. 
Richmond's really hard for me okay, because so. I, I've never believed that they were they were a bunch of superstars. They never were. They they even before like they they didn't really change their team and then all of a sudden it all clicked. I think I think it was Damien Hardwick's game plan really worked for the team that they had, and obviously they had some really yep. good really good players. They had the four superstars top. in they in, had in Rewalt, Dusty, Cochin, and then probably Rance at that at that at the first tilt. Um, so they had their not four Edwards? guys. Would you not put no, Edwards? In that? No, no, no. He no. Once again, he's not. What about a superstar? No, they're not superstars. They're not. They're, okay. they're, I'm, just, they're, I'm just I'm just doing it good. for the viewers, man. The they were they were good players. They were they ended up being really good players because of because of even like say um, the likes of Asprey. Um, Grimes has ended up having a stellar career now. Um, Noah Bolter's able to come in and fill Rance's shoes straight away purely because of how well their structures are set up. Um, Tom Lynch obviously comes into the team as well and ends up playing a really vital role to help Rewalt up forward. They, they, they were able to turn guys that weren't so much superstars, like Brandon Ellis, um, Kane Lambert, Shane Edwards, um, all those guys, they were never superstars. Josh Caddy even. They were never superstars. They were, they were just players that could play a, real, a role and it just ended up being that Richmond found their perfect roles for all their players. And that's, that's how Richmond ended up becoming that really dominant team because they all bought into the game plan and they all just gave their all. And then, then you add in the likes of Dusty and stuff, doing stump, some of the stuff that he does. That was just the best combo that they could come up with and, and it turned out that it um, it worked. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put them up there in the same tier as some of these other midfield combos, but definitely if you go for the team work and the team game plan, they... They definitely ticked a few boxes. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. And honestly, it's just more the fact that because me and you see eye to eye with the whole Richmond debacle, but they still won three premierships. It's yep. still a dynasty. Yep. So I'm, I'm not taking that, that away. Like I said, I'm not the, taking that away from yeah. them. My point is they're, I think they're a superstar team. They, they played as a superstar team. I don't think they were a, super, a bunch of superstar players. That's that's my that's my take on it. I, I think they just they just worked really well as a team and bought into the game plan and it worked. Yep. All right, then Hawthorne, their starting midfield. Yep. Their ruckman, we go with McAvoy, yeah. Um, or Hale. Yeah. Oh, it's pretty hard. Um, I probably go. Uh, oh, see, McAvoy came in late. Did he end up winning a flag with them? Yeah, he won three. McAvoy did. Oh, he did go. He won three. He, he did go when they were there. Oh, I couldn't remember when he went, moved across yeah. from Saints. Sorry. Um, yeah. So yeah. So you got to go McAvoy then. Um, so McAvoy, yep. Hodge, Mitchell, and Lewis would be your would be your three. Uh, okay. Which, so yeah. I put that at number three. That's my third best midfield. My third. Yeah. Okay. Out of all the dynasties. Yep. Out of all the dynasties we taught, and I have Richmond at five. Okay, yep. mm-hmm. so Hawks at three. Yep, Tigers at five. My other dynasty is the Cats one. Yep. We'll go Ottens. Yep, Bartel, Ablett. Do we go Stevie J or Ling? Um, 
You probably got to put Ling in there because Stevie J started played. He was more of a forward in their premiership years. Um, he sort of went midfield more once Gary Ablett left. Uh, yep. And but then you also got Paul Chapman as well. So it's a matter of who you want to put there. But he sort of went forward oh, later yeah. in his career. But he probably more played midfield earlier on. What and in, and we're forgetting Selwood. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so actually, yeah, we're going to go Ablett, Bartel, and Selwood. So Ottens, Bartel, Ablett, yeah, so, Selwood would be your four. Yeah, so they're my second. Then we go back. No, nah, so then they're definitely not second. We go... no, they're not second. They are third. No, Hawks are fourth. Wait. Richmond No, no, fifth. wait, 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 wait. Because yeah. Eagles, all right, with their one grand final... Yep. Not three like the other no. four teams. Yeah, in no, one no. grand final that you're they forgetting, won. You're forgetting a key factor that Judd left afterwards. They still lost a grand final. They lost one grand final, but then they won one. Yeah, and then Judd left. They should have. They should have. No, they should have won the two thousand. They should have made the two thousand seven grand final still. Mm-hmm. Judd left in 08. Yep. So he's still there for a few years. Yeah, they had. But even yeah, if but that was had, not the case, I'm they still sure had Kerr started Kerr getting his shoulder injuries, um, and and cousins and, and had his personal off-field. Definitely had off-field stuff going, and I think that's when <laughs> Judd had a little bit of groin issues in that year. I think he started getting yeah, a little bit of his, yeah, I think he started getting his groin issues. So I still still on there on that fact. They are they are the number one for me, as much as they didn't. So you're going Cox, Judd, Cousins, Kerr's, the best midfield yep. in our modern era. Yep. Better than it, the Cats. Yes. Yep. You're you're probably forgetting one midfield as well. You haven't even mentioned them yet. And yeah, well, I have them at number one. I've got the Lions at one. Yeah, okay. Um, Clark Keating, Black, Acker, mm-hmm. Voss. Three Brownlow medalists in that midfield. There's no... You can't have... That's just unheard of, having three Brownlow medalists in your midfield. Yeah, but that's what... Like, so... Eagles, Eagles had two, and Kerr had a Cats runners had up two. or a third. Yep. Um, but Cats had a, two, yeah, Cats and, had two as and well. Selwood nearly won. Selwood nearly won one as well. Yep. No, no, no that's why I think they're all very, they're all very, very close. But I'm just saying, I think so. Judd, so for me, I put it this way: as Judd and Ablett, I still think Ablett is slightly better than Judd, but. Yep, I think I think they're very very close, but then I th- then if you go to the next the next level, I think Cousins is better than Bartel at, at peaks. Then I also think Kerr yeah, is better peaks. than yep. Selwood at peak. So that's the way that's the way I look at it. I'm not I'm not taking anything away from those guys. I just really think that those guys were better had better peaks. Than those three guys, and you obviously go with and Cox, and then Cox Ottens. is obviously better than Ottens. So Cox, so for me, the midfield, the, the whole reason where Eagles actually get on top of everybody, including Brisbane, is purely Cox. So he's a massive, massive advantage for any team. He he'd flog Clark Eating, he'd he'd beat Ottens, he'd he'd beat uh, McAvoy. He'd, like, he was the one that he'd he was the one, and he'd be he'd flog Nate Curvis. So he he's the one that um, put 
these sorts of ruckmen into the game and being able to get around the ground and racking up 20 possessions and, and getting and kicking goals and everything like that. He was the front runner for all of that. So, yeah, I, I just really think, I think West Coast has to be on top. Then it'll be Brisbane. Then it'll be Geelong's midfield. Then it'll be Hawthorne and then Richmond if you go, if you want those five. Yeah. I, I just look at it like if you're going on the peaks and the like you're putting variables in it, you've got to add the variable of toughness and the setups and all that sort of stuff and go from there. That So right now, obviously, you I, I would go as far as Petrarca and Oliver have the potential to be the number one with Gorn and Viney if they be more of a of a dynasty, so to speak. If they win another premiership, I'm putting them as a dynasty no matter what. But with Gorn, Gorn's the best Ruckman I've ever seen. He's better than Cox. No. The, the no. things that he does is no, just tremendous. I, he's not. I, I, he's, he's not better than Cox. He is. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. He's very, very good. Like he's, he's definitely going to be, he's going to go down as one of the best Ruckman in, in the end. But he's... Definitely not better than Cox. Cox, Cox and Sanderlands, though those two guys were absolutely dominant in their in their eras, and they they literally made the Ruckman relevant again. Basically, they they made they made sure that you had to have a proper Ruckman in against those guys, or they were just going to torch you. And uh, Gorn Gorn is bringing that back again now, um, but. The same as Grundy yep. when he was up and running. Um, they're starting to become a bit more relevant again now. But at the end of the day, those those guys, uh, Cox and Sanderlands in that era were just they were just absolutely dominant. They made they made their team so much better. So I I, but I, I see look what, at this I see Cox what you're saying. One... I, yeah. Sorry. Cox and Sandlands, I get that. With Sandlands being that height and that size, yeah, he should be. Cox was agile and strong and great on the deck. Isn't that gone? Like, oh, let's honestly talk about that. Like, let's have a genuine conversation about it. Yep. Gorn wins majority of his taps. I'm, I, I very rarely till tonight I saw him lose a lose a rock battle, and I still think he's up on top um, tonight. But his ability to make things happen and stand up in the big moments, like Cox was good, but I don't think he was that good where Gorn does that. And this is, I, I love this topic because it's so um, opinionated, but obviously for us, when we were growing up, that was Cox and Sanderlands were the best Ruckmans. Like you think about any other teams, like Brad Ottens was okay. He was just a bruiser what we would call Nan Curvis with a good arm and kick kick goals, correct? Yep. 
Yep. And that, but Cox and Sandilands, they added dynamics to the game where um, we never thought of before. So it it, it comes in comes in waves and. It, it's a good conversation to have, and I think maybe even writing a top ten all time ruck for some, for our pod one time or something like that will um, get us started. And that's why I wanted I wanted to have this conversation with you about it is because there's so many modern day era dynasties, and you go wait who's which one's better? Who who would you have? Obviously, I would take the Lions. I, I think the Lions three peat is the most impressive three peat for me. But I can yeah. see why you take the Eagles. I'm not saying that Eagles is yeah. a wrong answer. The only thing that I, I we keep forgetting, if you get to put the Eagles in, you got to put the Swans in. Yeah. Because those two make the two best grand finals that I've seen, except for Collingwood Eagles, and we're not talking about that one. <laughs> yeah. No, like that's yeah, it's really it's really hard because, like, depending on what you're going for, because if you're adding success in Brisbane, have to take the cake because I think they're the they're the second best midfield, but they're the most successful. But then you go, well, th- then also you could say Hawthorne because they technically won four, um, four flags with their, with their midfield because Lewis, Hodge and Mitchell were all there. So, yeah, but really... I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do 08 to 2013. That's, that's six seasons. Yeah, but it's still, seasons. it's still it's the same guys. Room. It's just, they obviously had a break yeah. in between, but there were still the same guys there. But I, if I'm just going purely on the best midfield, I think if you're if you all got one game and you have to pick the best midfield out of those, I'm taking West Coast. But if I'm going the best midfield that's the most successful, um, or one of the most successful, I'm going Brisbane. So, insane. But I de- I definitely would take and would say that West Coast have the best midfield uh, with Ruck, and then yeah. Uh, that's that's what I think anyway. Yeah, we'll we'll take a quick break just quickly, and uh, I've got a few more ta- hot takes for you. No worries. And now, uh, all right. So Ash, we I'm gonna forego a bit more AFL for next pod, but I want to just talk about the NBA and spend the last um, twenty minutes on. Oh come on! I on the you NBA. said you had a few more hot takes for me. Yeah, I've got a few more. AFL hot takes, but I think we need to discuss the the real topic in the NBA right now, and that is Kyrie Irving dropping fifty, Carl Anthony Towns having sixty. You mean LeBron James scoring fifty? You mean Kyrie dropping sixty today? Sixty, sorry, (laughs) sixty. My point exactly. Like, what the hell is going on with these players? They're just having. Is there defense? It's it's got to be because like but some teams are playing some pretty good defense but it's I, I I don't know exactly what's going on I can't I don't think anyone can put their finger on it but in the last like what two weeks or whatever or month it's just been like scores over forty like by multiple multiple players from different teams yeah like, it's like there's been what twenty to twenty five scores I think over forty in the last. Like you could say a month, and like, and then there's been mm-hmm. some fifties and sixties. Like it's just it's getting ridiculous. Like is it is it because some player like they're starting to become much better shooters? Like is that is that what it is? So it's harder to defend because then they can go in and out. Like say like a Carl Anthony Towns, like, if he, if he takes off from three, which he did, I think he hit seven from eleven or something, 
Um, same yeah. as same as Kyrie today had eight from twelve from three, and then you add in any other scores from there, like it, it's a massive like it's just massive. Like Kyrie had forty one points at half time. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> like, almost as good as um, Lakers defense at the moment. No, but it, I think it's a combination of three things. One, some of the teams have packed it in. Some teams are just like well. Just let some young players get some minutes and they're going to learn, etc., etc. Two, I think some players are starting to get into some serious form, um, some playoff form. So Towns getting you 60, that's some good playoff confidence to come to get come into. Yep. Kyrie Irving starting to get some regular games under his belt now, even though he's playing as a part-time Sorry, player. Sorry, can I? He's still getting can, in. Can I, while we're, while we're on Kyrie for two seconds, I'm gonna say yeah. I'm gonna say right here, right now, and and I can't remember if I have mentioned it or not, but I, I'm not a big fan of Kyrie Irving, but holy shit, that guy like to do what he's doing, <laughs> to do what he's doing right now, playing part time and then coming in like he's like he's been playing all season, he's got like the form behind him and everything like that. He's missing games multiple times, like times a week, and like he, sometimes he's playing one game every two weeks. It is ridiculous how well he is playing when he actually comes into the team, because like he comes in and he just just scores thirty points, like he's doing it easy. His shooting is off the charts right now. Like it does, like every time he gets the ball, he looks like he's gonna, he's, he looks like he's gonna score, and it doesn't look like anyone can do anything about it, and. He is. Yeah. I, I think he's probably it, playing the it's best not basketball. Just his offensive game. Yeah, and he's picked up big time on on defensive end, and yeah, you obviously seen it against yeah. Philly in their matchup, and he just destroyed Harden. Just destroyed him. Well, same I, I same was today. Go on the his magic. sixty point game. He just yeah, yeah he just had four game. steals as yeah. well. Yeah, exactly my point. And he's getting into plays. He's picking them up full court. Yeah, he's picking up these players full court. Well, he's, like he's quick enough. Yeah, the Harden game period. <laughs> Yeah, well, the Harding game, he was doing that. But he was rotating off Cole, um, Cole Anthony. He was running, running off Markel Fultz. He was, whoever was bringing the ball up, he was guarding. He wanted all of it. He wanted every, And this is where it gets so interesting with being, watching Kyrie Irving because he can do some fantastic things on the court. He makes things happen. But then, he's in it. then his off-field or off-court issues just... Durrell, what is his legacy? And it, that out, the, the way he plays though, it's it's next level. Like he, yep. yeah, he's yeah, he's I, surprising I think, me. I think right now he's got to be playing the best basketball basketball of his career, and that's saying something yeah. considering he hasn't played like a lot of basketball this year. It's ridiculous. Yeah, well, it, as the table stands for the um, on the Eastern Conference. The Nets are now in the eighth seat. Like in terms of, they're actually two games behind Toronto. Although if Toronto keep playing the Lakers, they'll just make the number one seed because <laughs> Lakers are crap. But um, but Cavs are full. I'm, make, I'm making a rule. I'm making Allen. a rule quickly. We're not talking about the Lakers at all yep. today. <laughs> I don't want can to we, hear no, about no, them. No, no. Can we just touch on the the thirty to two? Or was it thirty to two or thirty to nine? It was against Toronto at one stage of the I game. It was no, 19 no, to no, 2. No, we are not talking about quarter. the Lakers. First Stop, no, we're not talking about them. I don't care about them. Stop talking about them. Don't care. That, that is incredible. No. That's something that you'll see on no. our let's Thursday go, night. Let's go. Let's go. What were you talking about before? 
Go Toronto. Well, <laughs> let's, let's talk about yeah, relevant Toronto. teams. Can they can they jump? They can generally jump the sixth seed, and Cavs can fall to the to the seventh seed, and they have to play in the play-in. The Cavs. Yeah. yeah. After well, how good their close. seasons been? Yeah, and how could their seasons been? Like, the, they could end up playing the Bucks, Nets versus Bucks in the first round of the playoffs. Like, we're talking about some serious, serious games in the playoffs, and it's like Hawks are. Hawks are just um, that, pretty much. They're just that. And then Lamelo's <laughs> playing some good basketball at the moment as well. So I think Charlotte's actually a real, real sneaky shot in the playoffs. I, I think they play some really yeah. good basketball at times. And if when they put it together, they're actually a really good basketball team. So, um, so you know what team I'm they... I'm still afraid they of str- Charlotte. They, yep. And you know what team they actually trouble? That's one of the favourites to win the championship on the East. Do you know what team that really struggling uh, that they cause trouble for? Uh, probably Philly. No, close. In terms of where you think, I know where you're thinking. Miami. They yeah, okay. Miami struggle with them, and now Miami's they're got they're just storming for the number one seed. They want that number one seed. And if Hornets at the tenth seed, they'll end up if they win two games, they'll get the eighth seed, right? Yep. I'm not going to put away an eight to beating a one seed. I would say Hornets can potentially beat the Heat. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not throwing that away. So, um, but another thing um, that we need to talk about, and it hurts my mouth, is the Celtics and um, how locked in defensively they are. I really hate talking about it, but Tatum is just—he's playing some bloody good basketball. Ash. Yeah, he is. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and then like, Jalen like Browns. Like I said the other the other week, um, Tatum is. I think he's just finally. It must be. I'm going to actually give some props to their coach because now it's all finally clicked after the All Star break. It's got to be this coaching yep. because it's like he's told he's told him exactly what he wants, exactly what he wants from the players, and they're now producing it. And like they don't that you can't go from a from a mid-tier team to all of a sudden becoming a dominant team without without some sort of structure and some sort of... Um, belief. Belief that your game and plan is working. And yeah, that, like, yeah, that's exactly the thing. I think they've all bought into this new coach's game plan now and now they're, now they're reaping the benefits. I think at the start, they're a little bit iffy of, um, of him and and trying to figure out what exactly he wanted and, and working it all out for himself. But once once it's all clicked, I mean, yeah, we've all seen it, and I'm pretty sure they're all seeing it and feeling that it's working. And I think it's, yeah, they're, they're a real scary chance of, of making the going going better than they did in, uh, what was it, 2018? Uh, yeah. yeah um, sorry. So, yeah, no, it's, it's going to be... Even 2020, real... they were pretty good. They made the conference finals. Yeah, yeah. So I think we, they made the conference finals 2020, 19, 18, and yeah, 17. Which, I think they made is, four conference finals in a row. Uh, I don't think they made conference finals, all four of them. Uh, but they were, remember, they were really scary. Then that, that was the time when they had Tatum, they had Brown, they had them all coming up, and then they also had all these picks, remember? And then the Hayward yeah, no, no, you're Kyrie right, because that... And all that sort of stuff. Because Toronto versus Milwaukee in nineteen. Yeah. And Kyrie Irving screwed up, screwed up um, Boston in in 
the um, 19 season. Yeah. I don't think they were there in 2020 either because that was the bubble season. No, they were. They lost to the Heat. Are you sure? Because I was really hoping... Yeah, because I was... I was really hoping for a Lakers Celtics because Celtics versus Heat Philly. No, no, Bucks. Bucks versus Heat was in the second round. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I can I remember this really well for some reason. The Heat swept um, Indiana in the first round. Then I'm pretty sure they beat Bucks in five, and they beat um, Boston in five, and then lost in six against the Lakers. Yeah, and Boston beat Philly. They swept Philly, and then. They went to seven game series, the Celtics against the Raptors, and then yeah, they faced the Heat. Yeah, I was yeah, I was very big on watching them. But I want to remember how we we're talking about the trade deadline. Yep. Um, a couple of pods ago, and the one team you couldn't believe made a trade in the Dallas Mavericks for Dinwiddie and Pazingas. Yep. That's surprisingly working. Like <laughs> I was with, I, I kind of yeah. agreed with you. Like they gave up Pazingas and now they're going with this three guard high and the Bertans, Kaliva and Dwight Powell are thinking they're bloody De- um, DeAndre Ayton, blocking shots, getting in the ring. They're like their defense is their their defense is just as good. And Dinwiddie and Luca and Brunson are working together, it's which actually makes working no sense extremely to me. well. I don't I don't see what's happening right now, but it's like it's like they're all sharing the load, so they're all not having all this stuff on their shoulders. Luca's just going absolutely insane in the back half of the season and playing where we probably expected him to play all season long. Uh, but, yeah, he's just going berserk at the moment and pretty much playing at that, that unstoppable level that he was at last year. So, um, yeah, I, I really... I, I'm, I'm upset that you brought this up because I have no answer for you. I don't know... I do not know how it's working. It is working, but um, also... And it's also, not like it's kind of working no. for the Wizards too, to be honest. Like Pozingis is putting up yeah, they're, numbers they're playing and, some good yeah, basketball, and he's playing alright for them as well. It's it, like I said, it makes no sense. And Dallas aren't beating slouches either; they're beating actual good teams. Oh yeah, they're they're going to make. They, they look like they're going to make a really good run in the playoffs. Like they, I, yeah. I don't see, I don't see many teams beating them in a seven game series, and that's. And that's honest, no, well, like honest Right now, truth. as it stands, they versus the Jazz. Right now, they versus the Jazz in a 4v5. Who who do you take out of that? And then Denver's right on their heels uh, as a sixth seed. So, and then two games behind them are the Timberwolves. So, it, it, again, playoffs, the excitement gets the best of me. But the Mavs make zero sense to me because I had them not a chance of winning the championship, especially after Pazingas. And how I go... Oh man, I've got to really rethink this because Luca is playing some. I'm going to say this with all due respect, but some LeBron basketball where he's like, no one can guard me. No one can actually guard me. I'm going to the rack and there's nothing you'll stop. Get a, no one's going to stop me. No one's going to say anything. The refs get a call failing you because I'm getting my ass to the hoop. And Dinwiddie, the thing is, his usage rate has dropped a little bit since Dinwiddie's come because Dinwiddie's scoring and he's getting his assist up. So, yep. and Brunson looks like a genuine a genuine number two. He generally yeah. looks like an a, a soon to be all star player, Brunson. Yeah, so and I'm, I think the that, scary thing, the scariest thing about the Mavericks is they were so good in the last two playoff series, and that was only with Luka Doncic. Luka, they didn't yep. they didn't have they didn't have any other real 
good help or anything like that or then a proper number two or a proper number three even but the scariest thing about this playoff run is if you take out Luca, he'll still get his 20 to 30 points but you've also got to be scared of the other two guys going around and then even Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleber they're they're still putting up some half decent numbers as well just to chip in and and help out where they can and then on the defensive end you know you're not scoring probably over 120 points against them because um, their defense, their team defense is just incredible. They, oh, it, it's it's something to be desire about um, how good they've actually been. So kudos to Mavericks. Thanks for shoving up, a tra- doing a trade that we just ridiculed for a whole hour and then you guys just throw it in our face and actually start <laughs> dominating. Thank sure. you for making us look like idiots. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah. The other team I want to talk about, and you love this player, Draymond's back. He's yep. back, and the f- he's on, on minute um, limitations, 20 minutes. He had 7, 7, and 7. Yep. And two blocks. 7 points, 7 rebounds in 20 minutes. People go, oh, that's not too bad. Yeah, add the 7 assists and two blocks. Yeah, exactly. Well, on limit just- rota- with minute limitations yeah he's just, he's just basically the anchor for that team and um he really is i mean I'd, he's definitely on par with steph as their most valuable player because you can't so some people are going oh he's got to be their most valuable player which i'm not disagreeing with because he definitely can be but also you can't knock steph because even last season draymond didn't play a lot of basketball and steph carried the crap out of that team so you can't yep. 100% just go, yep, Draymond, Draymond, Draymond. But Curry had a massive slump while Draymond was out as well, and that was the big key factor of they didn't have anyone going well. They like they always yep. had Poole and, and Clay occasionally having an all right night, but none of them did it all together. So they they really struggled in yep. that for, for a bit of a stretch there. But once Curry gets it going, Clay had a Clay had a night or two off, had a bit of a rest, probably reevaluated where where he was at, and then come out and dropped uh, thirty seven points or whatever it was um, the other day. So um, you got you got that sort of element that's coming into it now for the playoffs, which they'll they'll give all those guys another rest um, in the co- next coming weeks before playoffs. But yeah, the. I can't believe people are writing him off. I, I just don't know. I don't know how you can write them off because if Draymond does play and their their defense is on point again, and then if, when Wiggins comes back, the way he was playing at the start, the front half of the season before All Star break and stuff, he's he's a he's an elite defender as well and and a, and a tremendous two way player and he's proven that. I mean, he didn't get an all-star team for no reason. Um, Clay can also be an elite two-way player. He's just probably got to find where he's at with his body and how much he can actually do. Uh, Paul Paul's yep. starting to become a serious, serious offensive threat. Like he is, he is a genuine. He's a genuine number two player on any other team, on any team. So it's going to be a really Put him hard. With the Lakers. For, it's going to be really, really hard for Golden State to keep him with. And they're going to have to make a decision, and I think it's it could be a decision out of Clay and Jordan Poole, to be honest. Um, and then they've also yep. got the added element of Moody. They've also yeah, like they've got they've got a serious serious rotation as well, and, and it's really hard. And Steve Kerr is going to have some work to do 
trying to figure out which guys stay in the rotation and which guys don't because they've got a eight nine man rotation right now and that's without Wiggins and Andre Iguodala um, and Wiseman. So like if you're if you're the Warriors, you, you're probably going to get the third seed. Who would you rather face out of Mavs, Nuggets, and Timberwolves as a third uh, yeah. seed? You'd have to go Timberwolves. You'd have to go Timberwolves. Yep. Um, you def- I so don't, you're hoping I don't Timberwolves think, gets a few more wins. I don't think they want Nuggets. Um, that's probably the last team they want because Jokic yep. can torch them. They don't have a guy that can really go with um, Jokic. As much as Draymond Green can, um, his, Jokic is still going to find a way to do his thing. So... I don't think I don't think Jamal Draymond Murray can shut him down enough. As well. Yeah, Jamal Murray can definitely come back and torture. Um, uh, what's uh, MPJ you could as get well? Porter. Yeah, MPJ yeah. as well could be could be back as well. So you add in all those elements. Um, Denver's a very very scary prospect, and yeah, I really uh, once again I I really think I didn't I didn't agree with you when you were saying three from each side um, early early in the other podcast either with. The West only having three, and, and the Eastern probably only having three, maybe four. I really think they both run five five deep, and I, I think you're probably starting to see that now as well with with a couple of these teams really emerging as genuine contenders. Which um, I I didn't see the Mavs the Mavs team sort of coming up, but I still thought that Denver was always a always a big shot. Um, I still think Utah's definitely got the players that can still go a long way if they put it all together. They've just got to make sure they... If Denver get Jamal and M, M, uh, Mike Porter Jr. and PJ uh, healthy and firing, they have to be at their absolute best. And yeah, I give them the credit. But you've yep. got to win three series. So I'm still sticking with my three teams. I'm actually on the fence with the Warriors because like, I don't want to cross them out because they still got Draymond. But if Draymond's not... He's got, he's got healthy. three. He's got three or four weeks still before playoffs. Yeah, so I agree with that. So, so I think he'll be. And right. it's, he'll be but good the to game, go. the games, the games get a bit more intense with something with a bit more purpose and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's a Phoenix. Phoenix is running away with the Western Conference. I can't see anyone beating him right now. I'm just their attitude with their swagger and their confidence is just next level. Yeah. I don't even think Eastern team have this confidence like him. Like, they they generally think they're the best team in the league. No one's going to stop them. They've got confidence in every single player. Like, they put JaVale McGee on um, four nights ago, and JaVale scored 10 points straight for for the Phoenix. Yeah. Like, that's... Mind you, he's it, actually it, had it, a very it, quietly good year <laughs> um, for, no, for, I'm not, for, I'm for not a bench saying, rotation I'm not saying, guy and stuff. Like, he's actually had yeah, a really good exactly. year. exactly. Um, but yeah, he's, but he's actually what if we had the pod for the finals last year, we did say that Aiton needs a backup yeah, center. That's exactly what they to needed. help him. Yeah, it, was, it would Jamal have given McGee him. It would have given Aiton a break um, from getting torched by Giannis and stuff Giannis. as well. They would have just had that little bit of a reprieve, and he could have gone to the bench, had a bit of a break, got his head back on, and and come back at, while when Giannis was probably a little bit more tired as well. But yeah, um, yeah. I do 100% agree with that. They they definitely picked him up exactly for that reason, just to give Aiton a, a bit of a chop out. Uh, but yeah, I, I still like you can't the way Mavs are playing. You can't you can't take the Mavs out now. Um, if Denver gets all their guys back in, even if they don't, 
Jokic still finds a way to beat teams. So I can still see I can still see him taking them past the round like round one. I can still see Utah Jazz. I wouldn't be surprised if they got past round one or even round two. Grizzlies, Warriors, Phoenix. That, that's five right there. Then, then you go yeah, to the but Eastern. We're not talking about just. But you're not talking about just get past round one. No, no, no. But I'm saying, you know, But I'm saying, I still conference think they're genuine contenders. contenders. Even if Jokic could take them past round one, then they're more chance of getting Jamal Murray up and firing. They're more chance of getting MPJ up and firing if he can get them to pass around one. But that, I'm just saying, like the, these are just added elements uh, of that of that part of the game. But I just think they're genuine contenders, especially by the looks of it, they're getting their guys back. So that's I'm going off that as I think right now there's actually probably five teams that are really contending in the West, with Mavs really coming out of nowhere to to be that fifth. Um, then you look on the eastern side and. You've got to have Philly in there. I don't know if they can do it, but you've well, got now to have you do in with there. the Harden trade. Yep. Yeah, but, with the Harden trade, you have to. Um, Brooklyn. And Brooklyn. No one Brooklyn have history. to be. Brooklyn have to be a chance. You've got to have them. You've got to have them in your in your contenders as much as they're where they are on the in the standings. But they've got to be still a um, a contender. They have to be with with Durant and Kyrie if he can play. Um, See, and this then, is where I disagree with you with Simmons. the East. So the East, this is where I disagree with you because the East, the variables are going to change because of where the standings correlate. So you could potentially have a Heat versus Nets series in the first round. And there's already one team that I've picked get knocked out straight away. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm yeah, saying? But like, if, so yeah, but there's so elements of... Yes, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but they've still got to be any contenders because, say, for example, if... Miami gets past Bucks, you can still see them going all the way in the Eastern. If the Bucks get past oh, Miami, no, no, no. I you still, can still yeah, see yeah, them going all the way to the, uh, to, for the Eastern. So they've still got to both be like in the contenders, is what I'm saying. Then then you got to add I, in... I, yeah, I had Heat, Bucks, Nets, didn't I? Uh, Did I Heat, Bucks, Nets? I think so. I'm just talking about... Unless you had Philly. Oh, I can't... I nah, I didn't have Philly because the James Harden trade didn't go down. I didn't yeah. think that was gonna happen but yeah but no, then, yeah. I, I can see a path for celtics i can see a path for chicago now like yeah. they're genuine paths in well, the East chicago if they if they get the lonzo finals. if they get lonzo ball they are a massive chance to go very deep into the playoffs because he adds a massive element for them in defense and and offense offensive like structure just purely with how well he, yep. how good of a passer he is so if they can get him back, hopefully, hopefully in the next. Not week to or mention two. his defensive. Stuff. Yeah, that's what. So that's why he just adds massive, massive stuff. When if him and Caruso get back into the lineup, then like they just and hopefully have, Pat Williams as well. Yeah, yeah, and then Kobe White's had, had a really good season, like a surprisingly good season. He's sort of gone up another level of and got to where he is. Then you got DeRozan, Vucevic, and Aunt Levine all doing what they need to do. So. Yeah. How do you say Ao? What's his Asomu last name? Or something like the that. Other, yeah, he he's playing some good basketball for him. Yeah, as well. yes. But he's, like, he's there's genuine chance. I can see a way for the Bulls. I can see a way for the Celtics. I can even see a way for the Raptors and the Hawks to somehow get through. Just the other, like the teams because they're all closer together. Whereas I think Phoenix, the Grizzlies. And Warriors at their best are so far ahead of the other teams 
And the thing is, Utah and Dallas, you know they've played each other three times already. Yep. Who yeah. do you reckon's won? Utah's won all three. Won those games. It, it's, that's... I would have thought Dallas would have won them. Like, yeah. So if that, let's just say we go off by that, right? And Jazz end up sweeping it, sweeping the Mavs. We're going to go, what the hell just happened? But then Jazz have to go to the Suns. So I can see that going off five, maybe six. The only, like we said in earlier pods, the only way Jazz will win if Rudy Gobert goes 20 for 20. Yep. And absolutely destroys Aiden. Yeah, but absolutely destroys so, Aiden. But I think I think those two teams are a very very scary matchup for Phoenix. Like I, and that's if that uh, like uh, like we we're saying, there's, there's every chance that who kn- who knows what happens. Like the one of the playing teams might come out and beat Phoenix. You never know. But um, I really think that those two teams are probably the best matchups, um, bar probably Golden for State Phoenix. for Phoenix. Yeah, with um. Like the guards, guards aspect. I think I think Doncic can and Brunson can torch their like their uh, Phoenix Booker and their and te- team defense is going to work really well against Phoenix. So it's going to be a really yep. good two way game in in that game. And and I think they have the offensive and defensive power to go with them. So yeah, and yeah, I I didn't see this Dinwiddie thing working out, but now that it has and now that it is working so far. They're actually a really, really good matchup for Phoenix. So, and and even probably Golden State, they're actually a really good matchup. They also match up really, really well against my Memphis Grizzlies. So, we we really struggle to to beat um, Dallas. So, if we somehow come up against them, I'm scared. I'm very scared <laughs> of that Dallas Mavericks team. I am. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm just thinking that it's. It's a Suns conference to lose. Now, if Suns do lose early in the first or second round, then it's uh, then I hundred percent. There's every other t- chance that that the other there's a team that could win it that I haven't mentioned before. But because you have to go through the gauntlet of Suns, Grizzlies, or Warriors to be a genuine chance, like that's some hard games to get through. And I can't see Grizzlies or Warriors or even the Suns losing in less than five games. If they're yeah. going to go out, they're going to go out in seven. So let's just say you're a you're a six seed and you beat the three seed. Then you got to play the two seed. Then, uh, which is you you beat Warriors in seven. Then you got to play Grizzlies in seven. And then you're going up against a one seed in the Suns. You're already fourteen games to them, maybe eight in playoff, and yeah. they're conditioned, and you're tired, and you're traveling more. Like that's. That accumulates over time. So that's where I go. If one of the, the three teams go out in the first round, then I go, all right, any team can win it then because there's not much of a gauntlet to go through. And that's where in 2006, I'll bring it, um, when Dallas went out in the first um, first round of the playoffs against the Warriors in 2006. Then we had a Utah versus San Antonio Western, uh, Western Conference in 2006. Like, that's unheard of. So, yeah. that's where I'm at. Um, my last thing before we get um, we finish on the night, unless you've got anything else. No, no. No? Uh, all right. Who right now is your MVP? Is it Jokic? Is it Embiid? Which, I know you don't like him, but he's playing some good basketball. 
or is it someone else? Um, for me, for me, it's actually out of Giannis and Jokic. I think Embiid is still not quite at those two levels. As much as he's played some really good basketball and he's playing really, really well, I'm not knocking him for that. I just think Giannis puts up better, better like the same numbers as him. Giannis does yep. more on the defensive end. Uh, Giannis is probably is definitely a better passer as well, and can do yep. the same sort of stuff as Embiid. So I, I think he's still got to be above Embiid. I think Embiid gets more votes and more um, accolades purely because purely because he hasn't done it before. It's just one of those things where yep. it's expected of Giannis. It wasn't expected for Embiid, so everyone's going, "Oh yeah, he's he's amazing now." But if you look at it and you watch the games, Giannis probably still does just as much, if not more, than Embiid. Um, he's also definitely Milwaukee's most valuable player by a long way. Um, and then and then you look at Jokic as to what he's done with the team that he's carrying. If you realistically, they've got two, and um, their coach even said it the other day, they've got two max contract guys out, and they're still in the number six seed. So how how do you also go past him? Like, honestly, I wish I wish they yeah, just do a tie because it'd just be Giannis and Jokic tied, and they get it together. Well, it honestly could be if the voters deem it like it. That according to um, what was most voters are leaning more towards the story of Jokic over Giannis, but. Once they have the stats in front of them when they're voting, that might sway their votes. And just on that, on the, my last thing, Ash, I apologise. And I'm going to say this because <laughs> I know you're not going to expect this. Okay? Yeah, I don't even the, know what you're apologising for. <laughs> yeah. This person, I said, can't isn't that good on defence. Has that rung a bell yet? Oh, is it Levine? Or DeRozan? No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, because you someone said that about them. Yeah. Yeah, it's someone on your side, Triple J. Oh, yeah. He's made me a believer. His defense is incredible. And I, I was like, oh, I wonder what his stats are like. Like, he's averaging two and a half blocks a game. Yep. He's nearly averaging two steals a game. And he's plus minus when defending someone better than him in the plus minuses, he knocks him down by eight. <laughs> so he puts him to a negative eight when he guards him. Yeah. So I'm, I, I'll apologize here. He's made me a believer. I've watched him defensively now. He doesn't look lost. He actually knows what he's doing. And I would can seriously consider him over Rudy Gobert for defensive player of the year this year. Yeah. Seriously consider it. Well, I think, I, I think, think it's, it's still more Rudy's. out of... No, I think it's more out of Triple J and, and Giannis, but Giannis has had a bit of a drop-off um, back end of the year, so I don't know if he's going to still be up there, but he's he's still definitely definitely up there for Defensive Player of the Year as well, Giannis. So, um, yeah, it's really hard, but yeah, Triple well, J has come a mile. Like, uh, yeah, he started the season off a little bit slow. He was still obviously doing some good stuff, but yeah, the last... What probably three, he's come on strong, man. He has come on strong. Probably the last three months, he's just been incredible on the defensive end, like incredible. And yeah, he's just yeah. Him and Stephen Adams are just creating a massive like like. There's no one wants to go near them too. 
because either you're getting blocked, you're getting nah. steered, or, or you're getting just manhandled by Stephen Adams. So, yeah, it's really, it's a, he'll it's be a, actually all, a really scary all duo. First. It is. He'll be in the all-first NBA uh, defensive team, Triple J. Yep. So we'll go Rudy Gobert at the centre, Giannis, Triple J, Thibault, and DeJounte Murray. They'll yep. all be first team defensive. Yep. Like, and if they're not, that's when I go, what are you watching? <laughs> <laughs> like, yep. get a get a clue. Yep. But yeah, I'm all done for today. Unless you've got something else to add, but mate, hopefully we get a game with Collingwood Brisbane in the AFLW so we can get a final. Um, I'm liking your Melbourne Adelaide tip as well, and with the AFL, I can't wait to see you on Friday, and we'll we'll post a photo for the podcast to show us that we're back at the AFL. Yep, sounds good. All right, we'll see you all next week. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.